Are you a travel enthusiast looking to take your first ever sober getaway? Or are you a sober OG that said yes to that girl's trip to Napa Valley? Of all places, why? Maybe you're a normal drinker looking for a way to have fun while traveling without making all about alcohol. If any of this sounds appealing to you or familiar, stay tuned for this week's episode of the Sober Butterfly Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Nidi Movina, the host of TSB Podcast, and you guessed it, this week's episode is all about sober travel. And my one plus counting change year of sobriety, I've had the good fortune of traveling to 11 different countries spanning five different continents. And while this does not, you know, make me or qualify me as the sober travel guru, I certainly have picked up some helpful tips that I'd like to share with you to help you navigate your next sober trip. If you are new to TSB podcast, welcome. New episodes drop every single Tuesday at 6 a.m. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while or watching on YouTube, welcome back. I have touched on the subject of sober travel in the past, namely episode 102, which you can check out right here. I'll go ahead and link that for you guys. That was under the bigger umbrella of sober fun 101. This episode, I'm focused less about like what it was like for me traveling in addiction and drinking and all of the unsafe compromising situations I found myself in because I put myself in that because I was pretty much drunk the entire trip or wherever I was going. This more so is going to be less focused on the drawbacks, more focused on my recommendations and tips for traveling sober. Before we actually jump into this week's episode, I just want to highlight that I am in Panama. I remembered to vlog this time. So make sure that you're subscribed to TSB on YouTube to catch my very first vlog on this channel. I used to vlog my travels all the time. If you're curious to know what it looked like, a very polished version of what it looked like and curated, you can follow Follow Nadine Movina on YouTube and you'll see like a good 10 to, I don't know, 12 different vlogs of me gallivanting across the globe drunk. Spoiler alert, I only featured the highlights, none of the drawbacks. So anyway, let's jump into this week's episode. Okay. My very first sober travel tip for y'all is plan. Okay, everything goes down in the planning stages. And not only are you planning, but you're setting an intention for your trip. What does that mean, Nadine? Okay, let me break it down for you. When you're in the planning stages of any trip, I'm going to assume best intentions here, which is like that you're not showing up to the airport and like looking at the map like, hmm, I think I'll go here now with zero plans in the works, right? No, there's planning that goes into this vacation trip, getaway, whatever you want to call it. So where are you going? Who's coming? Where are you staying? In a hotel? In an Airbnb? What kinds of excursions are you interested in doing? What looks, honey, are you packing for this trip? And why? Why are you traveling to this place? Are you looking to unwind? Are you looking to immerse yourself in culture? All of these are considered in the planning stages of your trip. You're not showing up and winging it. So why on earth would you leave something like your sobriety, which is sacred, which is probably the most important thing in your life, depending on where you were before you got sober and coupled with the fact that you're outside of your everyday element, why would you leave that to chance? No, you need to plan. So many people skip over this step, but I would argue that it is the most important Okay, so sure, you want to hike that cool volcano or you want to practice your Espanol with the locals. But what do you plan on getting from this trip? 
That looks very different from what you plan on doing on the trip. They can work together, but ultimately they are separate strands and should be treated accordingly. So I encourage people in this planning stage to really go deep. I want you to visualize. I actually want you to take the mental time to visualize how you see yourself. For me, what that looks like is I imagine myself experiencing joy. Okay. I know how that sounds, but I literally take the time to envelop my senses. So I'm using all five senses. What does that look like? How does that feel? What is, what sounds am I hearing on this trip? Like I'm doing all of the work. So depending on where you are in your sobriety, may play a role in this visualization process. If you are newly sober, or if this is your very first sober vacation, then I would say that you need to spend more time on this. You know, it's a little different for me because I, I'm not new to this. I've traveled to 11 countries, right? Sober. So I definitely think that if you are newer, then you want to pull out that journal and start manifesting. I almost see this as like the opposite of Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law argues that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So I almost see the opposite of that. Anything that can go right will go right. So if you are programming your mind to visualize or manifest good things happening on your vacation, then good things will happen. If you are doing the opposite and seeing it from a deficit standpoint, which is like, oh my God, everyone's going to be drinking around me and I'm the only one that's not going to be able to drink, then that is what will happen to you. It will be a situation where you're at like a club med and everyone has a wristband to drink and you had to pay an exorbitant amount just to go with your friends to the pool to drink and you can't even drink and then you will drink because you envision that for yourself. I don't know. I honestly would fall kind of like pray to this in some of my earlier trips. So like last summer, for example, I went to four different countries, even went to like Portugal to a vineyard. And my two friends that I was with, they partook in the tour. I also did the tour, but at the end of the tour, we had like a nice spread of different assortments of like snacks. And then of course, the different wines that we had learned about. And so for me, like I told them ahead of time, I wasn't drinking, planning, right? This was unavoidable. We were trekking across country in Portugal. Like I wasn't going to sit in the car for three hours, you know? So I, I definitely had to go on this tour at the vineyard. But when I got there, I very much made it clear that I was not drinking. And they respect that. At the end of the tour, they had water and crackers prepared for, all for me. And yes, I paid the same amount as the other patrons who were partaking in the wine experience and the alcohol, but it was still nice that I had a good time. I really experienced joy. I love to learn. So I learned a lot about like the mechanics behind making wine from grapes and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was great. It was a good experience. And that was something that like I was worried about. It was something that I pre-planned with the friends I was going on this trip with. And I set those parameters ahead of time and I manifested myself having a good time and it actually was a good time. So that's just an example of, you know, barriers being in the way and still not allowing that to overtake you or ruin the entire experience. I want to share something else that I think is true for a lot of people that I talk to who travel a lot and travel sober. Airports. Can we just take a moment to highlight airports? It feels like a twilight zone, right? We're like, 
it's the wild, wild west. It's anarchy. It's just, I don't know, all rolls out the window. People are like drinking at 9 a.m. A bottle of Dazani water costs $12. Like, wh- wh- where are we? Like, how is this even feasible? There's like some invisible barrier when you cross through the airport gates that now you are in no man's land and anything goes. That's how I feel about airports. Ugh. Airports and me mm, in the past. Mm. Missed several flights because I've been chilling at the bar too long and missed a flight. Like literally like airports were my pre-game before the trip. Now I'm going to get wasted. I'm going to sleep it off on the plane or maybe I want to drink more on the plane. And then I'm going to continue this same momentum into my trip. That's how I treated airports. So naturally trigger point for me (laughs) when I became sober. So I had to devise a plan. Once again, we're still in the planning state stages. I set an intention for myself for the airport, which is purpose. I always go to the airport to this very day with purpose. Obviously the purpose, it allows me the vehicle for me to get from point A to point B, wherever I'm traveling to. But also I have to go in there with something to do. Okay. Cause if I'm idle at the airport, I'm in danger. <laughs> Please help me. So instead what I do is I straight up just find my gate or I'll find a coffee shop along the way and I get to work. I make, you know, content for the, the podcast. I will use that time to zone in and hyper-focus on what I need to do, accomplishing a big task before I take a trip. It's like, because on my trip, I'm probably not going to be doing much work. So it feels like a good way for me to like go into that trip. If you are not trying to work, I totally respect that. Like you're already in vacay mode, cool. Or maybe you're traveling with other people. That's not feasible. Give yourself an activity. Even if that's consuming, you know, binge watching Love Island or Love is Blind on Netflix, pre-downloading those episodes because you know the airport Wi-Fi sucks, right? Or bring a good book or a crossword puzzle. Just have something to do. If you're going to one of the lounges, you got money. (laughs) I'm joking. If you're going to one of those lounges, good for you. Also, be aware that obviously alcohol is served and that's people get sloshed right in those lounges. So depending on your tier or the type of lounge, sometimes the alcohol is complimentary. It's not complimentary. It doesn't complement your lifestyle. So it's a no, right? Make sure that you fuel up on good food, um, sugars, really curb cravings, just all of these things, depending on where you are in your sobriety is for you to discover. But airports, I just wanted to highlight quick note on airports they can be sucky for sober people i saw this on tiktok if you ever are at the airport and you hear over the intercom paging friends of bill w or if you want to say that yourself you go to one of the um kiosk or not kiosk but one of the gate terminals and you can ask them to send this message. They should be hip to it. I've never tried this. So if anyone has tried this, please let me know how that experience went for you. But anyway, you can say to the flight attendant or whoever's working, hey, can you please make this announcement? Paging friends of Bill W. That's like the bat signal for AA members. Like they will come to the rescue. Um, It just lets people know that maybe you are in crisis or you feel triggered and they will come over if anyone hears it and is available and knows what that means. They can come over and sort of help you, talk to you. Just be a friend who also understands the struggle. So yeah, if anyone's tried that, let me know what that was like. I wish I had known that earlier on in my sobriety because like I said, I hated the airport. That's my spiel on airports. Okay, my second tip for sober travel is 
to pick your travel companions wisely. I'm going to say that one more time because it's important. Pick your travel companions wisely. Take it from me. Okay. Take it from me. Learn from my mistakes. Um, And honestly, I haven't had like a ton of like bad travel companions. So I just want to be clear if anyone's listening to this, I'm probably not talking about you. But if I've traveled with you, I'm not talking about you most likely. Um, But, you know, you can't travel with everyone. You, you just can't. You can't live with everyone. You can't travel with everyone. You can't have sex with everyone. You just can't. I've had to learn and in certain cases relearn this lesson over and over. And I just wanted to quickly frame this for y'all because this is a true anecdote into the inner workings of my mind. Chaos. Okay. <laughs> so this is how I usually plan trips. So the first step that I normally take is I just scan the flights and then I just pick somewhere I've never been before that seems relatively safe. Like that's usually how I like decide where I'm going next. And then I work backwards. I think this is like kind of working backwards because then I start telling my inner circle where I'm going. And it's like I'm throwing that line out to see who bites. I'm going to reel in someone or people to come with me. And a lot of people do show interest. Like that's the thing. Like most people talk, talk, talk. Like, yeah, yeah, girl, I want to come, I want to come. Very few people actually follow up. So then I start, you know, the next phase of my planning, which is like reverting back to step one, because you guys know I set an intention, I'm doing the planning, I'm figuring out like where I'm staying, all of the things I talked about before, right? And then I cast a wider net. So, you know, maybe I follow back up with some of those folks who said that they were interested in the beginning. But then I start like chatting (laughs) to more people. So inner circle, small group of people that I like fuck with and I know I can travel with kind of thing. And then it's like a wider net. It's like, oh, like maybe, maybe a friend hits me up that I haven't talked to in a few months. And I'm like, casually mentioned that I'm going on this trip and hey, it's solo right now. If you want to come, you can come, you know, kind of thing. So I'm casting a wider net. And then it's like usually crunch time. Now I'm someone who actually loves to solo travel. I'm solo traveling right now. I'm in Panama, as I mentioned before. And I don't know what it is, but usually like two weeks leading up to that actual travel day where I know I'm leaving, I start to like psych myself out. So I'm like, oh my God, is this safe for female solo travelers? Should I be going to this place alone? When you talk to other people too, it's not that they want to speak fear into your plans, but they're always shocked. Like, oh, you're going there by yourself? And I'm like, yes, I am. Do you want to come? <laughs> I don't have to, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I typically get a little nervous the week before, week or so before. So then it's like crunch time. And that's when I start to get a little desperate. I'll invite, for example, a colleague in the hallway. They're like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm going to Panama. You want to come? And I mean it. (laughs) Or like at the end of an AA meeting, I may approach someone I've had a two second conversation with and be like, hey, you're sober. I'm sober. Let's go out the country together. There's something wrong with me. It's okay. This is like how I usually plan my trips. And most of the time, you know, people can't come for whatever reasons. Like it's expensive to book a flight last minute. So it's fine. And I end up going to these places and it's fine. And I actually feel more comfortable in solo travel, solo sober travel than I am in group settings or traveling with someone else. So for the purpose of this tip, I'm mainly going to focus through the lens of sober travel with others, right? Hence the tip 
which is be careful about who you travel with. Mostly I've had really great experiences traveling with other people sober. It's just that like I have had a couple run-ins, especially sober, which makes me more intentional and want to screen more appropriately who I decide to travel with. Because as I mentioned before, you cannot travel with everyone. There are some crucial things that you must do before you decide to go anywhere with anyone. That could mean a childhood best friend, a family member, a lover, you know, a bachelorette crew, no matter what. Before you leave, you must set parameters. Now, these parameters include what you're comfortable doing and what you're not comfortable doing on said trip. And I cannot emphasize this enough. You know already because you are an informed listener. You've listened to this podcast and now you've set an intention and you followed up with a plan for this trip. Now you're just moving the remaining pieces, almost like you're a master chess player and like the pieces are people, right? Take, for example, Amy. You have Amy and Lauren. These are the wild cards of the group. Like they're the party animals. So you're going to place them together because they like to get ship faced together and they need to room together because they're going to be staying up late and sleeping in while you're trying to, you know, go tackle your day and sign up for that 6 a.m. hike to see the sunrise, right? So I like to use Amy and Lauren as an example because while it's ideal, you know, I would say it's ideal. It is ideal to travel with people who are similar minded in their regards to goals and intentions when it comes to alcohol consumption. It's not always avoidable. Sometimes you may have people in your group whose main focus is to party, aka drink their trip away. And expecting people to treat you with respect is a two-way street. So you set those parameters. You told them that you're not comfortable with X, Y, Z, but you're cool with that, right? Like I don't have to indulge and run with their drunken antics and they shouldn't, you know, pressure me or make me feel a way about not participating in that. You want to extend the same courtesy and respect, right? So if you're in a group setting, and I like to think about bachelorette parties, especially because there are usually an assortment of different people thrown together who may not even be friends, may just have a mutual friend at play. So sometimes it can be difficult to set those parameters, but you know, because you set an intention for your trip, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, what it should look like for you, and nothing is going to deviate from that plan, that intention you set for yourself. That's within your control, at least. So I like to use examples like Lauren and Amy are two like friends who party, 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 because namely I was Amy and Lauren combined into one very fucked up party girl. But um, also, it's just a reminder that sometimes things are not in the realm of our control. And if you are demanding respect, then you should also show respect. It is a two-way street. And I think sometimes as sober people, whether we intend to or not, we can come off as a little judgy, right? Oh, I can't believe you're drinking at noon, that kind of thing. It's like, that's an internal thought, dude. Like, I can't believe you're drinking at noon, but also you're on vacation. Like, I don't know your life. Let me not cast judgment on you. Just like, I hope that you're not doing for me. So I just wanted to remind people that you can travel with people who are drinking. While it's not my recommendation, it's certainly not my preference. It can happen. And what I would recommend in a situation like that is to make sure that you have someone else in the mix, right? You don't want to be the negative Nancy in the group that's just like, again, guys, like really? Like, you know, that kind of person. You want to have someone who can counterbalance that dynamic and I think that's integral, especially if you feel like your sobriety is shaky um, and you may succumb to peer pressure, then yeah, certainly have someone else 
in the mix or to just don't go, you know, like that's always an option too. Like you don't have to say yes to every trip that you're invited on. Um, I know that that was difficult for me to understand. Like no is okay too. Like I can support you from afar, girl. Like you only get married once. Mm, who says that's really true? I'll skip this bachelor party. I'll be at the next one. It's important to obviously pick your travel companions wisely just to wrap that up neatly with a bow because I went on a few tangents there. You want to make sure that you're picking a good group or at least partnership in terms of who's going with you. You want to make sure that you are really clear about your boundaries and setting those parameters and not faltering from them. Like you mean it, you mean business. Okay. Then you also want to ensure that if you are in a group setting where like maybe there's an itinerary pre-planned like before I reference like my um, vineyard situation, or if you're in a big group of people, like a bachelorette party situation, like you're clear, like what things you're partaking in, what you're not partaking in, and that's fine, right? And then if possible, you want to have people in your corner who are also more similar minded in terms of their alcohol consumption and who don't want to party the entire time they're there. Or maybe you just need to like go off on your own and decide that you're not going to follow the group that particular day. All of those things are worth noting. And I just wanted to make that very clear. I also believe that not only should you pick your travel companions wisely, but you should also pick your travel destinations wisely. And this may seem like a given, but I don't always think that people factor that in, especially if you have preconceived notions of places that you wanted to see in your life. So what I mean by that, like pre sobriety, maybe you always wanted to go to Yacht Week, right? Yacht Week is incredible from what I've been told. I haven't done it. And I use an example because it's still something I hang on to this idea that like Yacht Week is still something I can do as a sober person. Can I do it? Probably, probably. And not relapse? Sure. Will I have as much fun? I don't know about that. So like you do have to be considerate of where you are now versus who you were before and where you want to go. Like it's a, it's a fine balance. My third tip, which is also my final tip for staying sober while traveling is to maintain routine. Now this is applicable for anyone sober anywhere, but especially on vacation. Like why do people want to travel, right? Like you want to escape Usually escapism is the reason I hear most people wanting to travel. They want to like live outside of their every day. They want to forego the monotony of their boring lives. All of those things. I myself am no different. I like to travel to escape as well, escape a lot of things. Let's run with that theme of escapism. Most people are losing not only themselves and their everydayness, but also their semblance of routine on vacation. And I won't argue in favor or against that. Like, that's just a fact. Like, most people are not doing the same things they would do in their everyday life while they are on a trip. I do want to highlight that because routine grounds sobriety. That's why you'll hear sober coaches, sober influencers, sober people talk about the importance of routine. It is your anchor in sobriety. So if you remove yourself too much from that anchor you may start floating. Okay. That's just a fact of the situation. I'm going to keep this relatively short because I feel like uh, I got to work on this myself. Like the other two I'm good about like, but this one I do struggle with. And I, I always feel it. Like I feel it play out with my mental health. I would say pick at least one 
or two things that you do in your routine and also replicate that on your trip or on your vacation. So for me, something that I do is work out. I work out habitually. I work out pretty much every day. This whole trip I've been in Panama, I have not worked out. And you'll see it in my vlog. You'll see it. I'm not living my best Panama life. Um, I was coming off of a cold. I have all the excuses in the book, right? But me not working out and moving my body as much is playing a role in my mental health, which then in turn can definitely play a role in my sobriety. Um, Something else I do daily is journal. So I have been journaling. I don't like to bring my physical journal or journals with me on trips because they just like take up too much space. So instead I just use the notes app on my phone. That takes me five minutes. A word of caution, don't pick your most difficult routine item and try and replicate that on vacation. Simply said, right? Like if you struggle every day to meditate, don't think that your best self is going to show up on vacation and meditate. (laughs) Like that doesn't count. Pick something that you are consistently doing on a daily basis that you can do on this trip. Even if it's a weekend getaway to the cabin, or if it's like a two month vacation because you're a teacher and you have time, like no matter what, be consistent. And that way you're not beating yourself up if you don't get to it because it's something that is just already integrated into your everyday life that you feel missing. Like you almost feel like a piece of you is missing if you don't do that. For me, that's working out. It could be calling a sober friend. It could be as simple as maintaining your skincare routine, right? That 10 step process that you do every single night. Check. I can do that on vacation. I'm bringing the miniature travel size bottles, like just something that is a semblance of what your life looks like at home, because that's going to remind you of the things that ground you in your sobriety that you can take with you no matter where you go. There you have it. Those are my three biggest tips for sober travel. We have number one, set an intention during the planning stages of your trip. Number two, choose your travel companions wisely and travel destinations as a little caveat. And then three, maintain your routine to the best of your ability while on your trip. What did I miss? What tips do you resonate with? I'd love to hear from you guys. This is an open dialogue, okay? It doesn't work if I'm just talking at the camera or talking into the microphone. I wanna hear from you guys. Let me know what tips and tricks you plan on implementing, what works for you when you travel. I'd love to hear from you. Quick reminder that new episodes drop every single Tuesday. Also, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. I need you to help me help other people see this content. And the best way to do that is to just hit like or follow or subscribe so that the algorithm, okay, I don't know the science behind it. Something happens, more likes, more shares, all the things, make it happen. I love you guys so much. Um, Don't forget, stay tuned for that Panama vlog, my very first one on the channel. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. Um, That's gonna be a special episode. So stay tuned. I'm not gonna say too much, but like, let's just put it this way. I'm taking it to the streets of New York. What does that mean? Okay, I have to figure it out, but it's going to be fun. See you guys next week. Love you.